You weren't scheduled until two o'clock. You're live. I know we're live. <laughs> hey, everybody. Sean Childs, 10X Real Estate Marketing Coaching. Um, I'm actually here with Rob Bernanke over a financial advisor and uh, mortgage lender over at Finance of America Mortgage. Um, we're really excited to see you. But first of all, just let me clarify. Um, today's one of those funky days. You know, um, I thought it was at two o'clock. There's something else out there. It's 2.30. So we just decided to go live and give you as much value as possible. And, you know, I got to tell you, I'm really excited to have this conversation because, um, Robert, how long ago did we how long ago would we meet? Uh, it's been about maybe three, four weeks now. Three, four weeks. And how did that conversation start? Just so everybody knows, like, there, you know, I'm, I want to prove a point to some people out there that are in our industry, especially because I don't know if you even know this. Four percent of our industry or any sales industry, for that matter, um, are willing to pick up a phone and talk to somebody. They're not they're afraid of confrontation. How did our conversation start? I uh, started with a cold call. Uh, started with a cold call. Which I'm very hesitant to pick up and even answer. You left me a great voicemail. And for some reason, I decided to save that voicemail. Uh, it was about maybe two or three <laughs> weeks before I actually reached back out to you. And I said, I don't know. You know what it is? You, you, you gave such a perfect voicemail. Like, is this a recording? Is this guy a robot? I got to talk to this guy. Is he for real? <laughs> and, you know, we got on the phone. And, and sure enough, everything that was portrayed in the, uh, the voicemail was uh, true to be when we spoke on the phone. So it's funny you say portrayed. Um, I, you know, I just want to I just want to throw this out there is, you know, no, no false pretenses here. I called Robert because I had sold another house around the corner and I said, hey, we sold this house. We sold it in a week of multiple offers. We have a tremendous amount of activity. And we're just wondering if you want to sell your house. And Robert said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And then we got to talk. And, and when I went out to see him, he said, you know, I'm in the business. I'm a, I'm a mortgage guy. And I said, great. I said, you know, tell me more about that. So give us a little background on your your background in the business and then, um, you know, and how you got started and why you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I got into the industry about, ooh, it's not about 15 years ago, oh, 16 years okay. ago, 2005, uh, when I first got in. Green, wet behind the ears. Uh, someone told me I can talk to people about numbers. I was a math guy and they like, right. can make money doing it. I was like, okay, numbers, talking to people. Uh, I waited tables. <laughs> I was a math major. It seemed like the two things lined up together perfectly. Right. Um, so I dove in and uh, you know, I had a lot of great mentors in the beginning, uh, guys that really showed me the ropes, taught me the industry. Um, and like anything, though, over time, the more I've been in the industry, the more I've learned and evolved. So I started off in like a broker space, uh, yep. very independent. Uh, you know, shopping things around to all different lenders. because That's all I knew at the time. Uh, then eventually got into retail. I worked for uh, PNC Bank, Chase Bank for a number of years. Uh, and only more recently just got over to uh, Finance of America. Um, you know, a little more independent, but we are a direct lender. Um, so the things I like about what I do is that I'm able to help people and educate people on, on the home buying process. The mortgage process itself, uh, a mortgage in general seems to be pretty scary to a lot of folks. Big numbers, yeah. uh, biggest financial decision you're making. Uh, so I like to think I could write the book Mortgage for Dummies because um, I made it really simple for me to learn it. So I like to try to make it really simple for my clients to understand what they're doing. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest joy of what I do. And, uh, you know, I've been in for a while now and it's 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 gotten to a point where, honestly, I could say that every day I'm still learning something new, but I'm better right. at transferring that information now and making it valuable to my clients, you know, and that's, and that's awesome. what I really enjoy, man. So it, it, interestingly enough, when we met, um, you know, we we met under the under the context of. Hey, you know, I met a nice girl. I asked her to marry me. I told you what a mistake that was. And then I said, okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Jenna, smartest decision, smartest <laughs> decision I ever made in my life. Um, and I do wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Um, I appreciate but I also, you know, we also talked about moving on with your life to the next, next jump. And you said, Hey, 
you know, I want to sell my place. And I said, you know, I, and, and I'll be truthful here as just as I was with you, it's, you, you know me well enough at this point, there's no, there's no filter. Yeah. I'm a Jersey kid through and through. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, um, and I said to you, I go selling a house for me is just another, it's, it's kind of boring after a while because I've done it like 2000 times, but you know, taking, taking, selling your house because you're in the industry and taking that and then showing people how the process works and using you as kind of like the guinea pig, because, you know, it, it benefits you to show people, hey, here's what the process looks like. I, and when you say to somebody, hey, I know what you're going through, you can actually look back at this and they could say, well, what about when I'm trying to show my place and, and I'm going to let people in or show them the house? I mean, you know, today's thing is, are they really buyers or are they tire kickers? And, you know, the, the old joke is, you know, buyers are liars, you know, um, for the most part. And that was, you know, when I was coming through the, the ranks and I was just, I was telling Krill, my associate, I said, you know, when we used to get rentals, I would do I would do three or four hundred dollars a weekend because I would do a rental and I would put people in not my cell phone, not my Palm Pilot, not even my iPad thing. It was basically a calculator that had like a phone book in it that you could type in letters in. You know, and it was like a, it looked like an HP ca uh, calculator, you know, mm -hmm. and, it, and it was one of the only ones that you know went sideways. So you could you could type with big fingers. And and I said to him, I go, I could tell you how long ago that was because we didn't have fax. We had fax machines and the, the listing came in on a fax machine. And you were like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, so let me ask you this. Um, we sold you a bill of goods when I came out to see you and I said, hey, you know, what our real passion and what we believe in is everybody needs a real estate coach. Um, we also believe that, you know, we can, we have a duplicatable, repeatable process that generates results in marketing and the selling of homes. And we try to make it so it's stressless, it's fun. And it's kind of, you know, we kind of, we kind of walk you through the process and like, like you came, you were on vacation you said, Oh, Sean, what about this? Or what about that? And I said, you know, just trust the process. Let's just see what let's, we're putting a bunch of fishing hooks in the water. We don't know what's going to work yet, but we're going to see which one does work. And one of the things that, you know, I always get the question is how do you know that person is qualified or how do you know when they're not qualified? And, you know, I'm going to give you my piece because what most people don't understand is in the way our system, our process works a lot of times is the, the, the person will call the homeowner or call an agent and they'll say, Hey, I want to go look at this house. And the homeowner, you, the homeowner said to me, Hey, Sean, just make sure they're qualified before they come in. I don't want the tire kickers coming in my house. Right. So how do we know? And we're listening to certain things and, you know, God bless us. Can we release that? We had a pretty good, pretty good day today. I, I right? did release it. Yeah. We had a really right? good day today. We actually got a, we actually got a contract today. Woohoo. Woo <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, on, on Robert's place. And, and I yep. said to him, I go, you know, and he knew right away cause he's in the industry. I said, here is the set of, here's a set of things that are going on with that particular buyer. Even though they have a low down payment, they have all these other things that are emotionally attaching them to this transaction. And Robert said, I get it. I'd rather them be emotionally attached. So what made you as the seller, not as the mortgage guy say, Hey, listen, I get it. I understand the money for their equity that they're going to put in my house is in their house and they have to sell that one in order to bring it over here. But what gave you a level of comfort that you kind of knew that that would happen? Well, I mean, it, it definitely drawing on the experience I have just from in my job, right? My career where I'm, I see right. transactions all the time. I've done numerous where it's, you know, we close on the sale of one house at 11 a.m. and we purchase the new house at 2 p.m., you know, something <laughs> right. Like that, right? You know, and, and it's, it's having been in, in, in a situation where I'm kind of, 
monitoring both sides. You know, where I'm even, you know, for my client, I'm talking to their person who's buying their house, their attorney to make sure all those ducks are in a row, and then talking to my client to make sure his ducks are in a row for his purchase. So I guess my level of comfort with those types of transactions was probably the first thing that disarmed the, you know, the, the sale contingency that came along with it. Um, and then also too, you know, to, to keep the, the share as, you know, I guess private as possible. The, the, the goal behind the, or the reasons why the buyers were looking to purchase a home, you know, the, the, for a family, you know, wanting to get in the school district, um, you know, things like that, you know, just show for me that they're buying it for the right reason. You know, it's not like you're talking about right. a, a fly by night. It's like, Oh, you know, we've talked about Sean where, you know, who's, moving out of mom's basement and then maybe I might buy, I don't know, but I've been living in mom's right. basement for 20 years. It might be better just to stay here and three weeks right. in and they say, you know what? I changed my mind. No, these folks have a, a motive behind what right. they're doing and, and that definitely helped ease the concerns for me. Right. There's nothing worse than the deal where the agent tells me they're living at home. They got all the money in the bank. Um, their mom, you know, they, they don't have anything to sell. They just had a baby and I'm thinking, and their mom's doing their laundry. They're scared <laughs> to death to spend every nickel they have. Yeah. And they don't have any expenses. And they're living at their mom's. And they just had a baby who, and their mom, they need the help of their mom. I wouldn't move out of the house if I had a choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Unless the mom was my neighbor. Maybe that'd be the only exception. But yeah, right. right. You might want to go hide. <laughs> you, you haven't got there yet. And congratulations on to Robert on, on getting engaged, by the way. But he hasn't figured it out yet. He's going to be looking to hide in my shed when he has his first kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, you know. At the end of the day, um, what are some of the things that you'll hear a customer say that sets off your like your alarm system when they're when you're talking to them? Like if I send you a buyer and the guy says, "I'm doing blah blah blah," or I have this going on, what are the what are the things that you you go, oh, you know what? I think we're gonna have to check your credit first before I can really sign yeah. off on that." No, for sure. The things that you know, the, the big triggers right now, I'd say more recently, is 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 really around income, right? And stability of income. Um, not necessarily a dollar amount. Not saying I want to jump off the first question. How much do you make per year? I mean, that's a very forward question right off the right. gum. But like when you have someone who's talking about, you know, I'm just changing jobs or, you know, I just got I just got my new job. I just got my new things like that. At first, we're going to say, OK, we have to dive a little deeper. It doesn't mean it's, it's a dead deal, but it's something that's going to make right. me think, you know. The other thing I would say, too, is, is you know, when they start asking about um, in terms of assistance for down payment. Right. Hey, listen, we have those options. They're there for a reason. Want to definitely explore them. But if you're coming to me about purchasing a home. And you're talking about how you're going to rub two nickels together to make it happen. Well, we're going to have to do a deeper dive. Doesn't again, doesn't right. mean that the deal's dead. But these are things that when they come up, concerns about income, variation in income, concerns about down payment money. You know, those are the, the, the main. So things let me ask you a question. Um, what if I get a gift from somebody? Can you explain that process to people? Absolutely. I mean, I know how it works, but explain to you know. I don't think people. I, I recently did a transaction where you know, grandma stuck fifty thousand dollars in the account. And then they wrote the check and they were like, well, where'd this come from? <laughs> no, that's a, great, that's a great question. So like, that's definitely something when I have that, that alarm go off as far as when someone says, Hey, down payment might be an issue. I do bring it up. Say, no, we are, you are able to get, you know, a gifted funds for your down payment and your closing costs. Simply put, I mean, what it is, is that you have a family member, immediate family member who's giving the funds to the person who's going to be buying. And what we do is compose what's called a gift letter. So that gift letter basically spells out to say, hey, this is not a loan. This is not a debt liability. This is me gifting grandma to grandson, mom to son, whatever it may be, um, funds to help them purchase their home. As long as we have a, a, a what would say, like I say, a clean money trail, right? We don't have money coming in from yeah. all different places at once. We have a check from grandma into, you know, grandson's or granddaughter's uh, checking account. At that point, we have a gift letter signed and we have a clear idea of where the money is coming from. At the end of the day, you know, any lender is just making sure that they can document clearly and cleanly where those funds for down payment, closing costs, or whatever that may be is coming from. So here's a, here's a tricky thing for you. 
Um, and I've seen this, you know, I haven't seen this in a while, but um, what is, you know, back in the day, I could have got, I could have got my daughter a loan for a million dollars. I swear to God. Yeah, you had a pulse. You didn't yeah. check your pulse. Okay. Here's, right. here's half a million. We, right? yeah. You know, we called them, we called them ninja loans. I don't know if you're yeah. in the business yeah. yet. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, no income, no assets, no job. No um, problem. No problem. <laughs> right. And um, so, but at the same time, we also had people that were um, expats or people that were coming into the United States to work here for three to five years on work visas. They were, you know, they're not, they're not voted. They're not able to vote, but they are considered to be a naturalized citizen. Um, so how does, you know, what is the, um, you know, what happens with those people? Yeah. So there's definitely, it's going to be very by very what type of visa they have. Um, if it is on a work visa, there are things that are permissible. Now, the one thing I've seen in terms of just coming into running into folks who are new to the country is established credit. You know, that's going to mm -hmm. be a piece of it as well. If they have, if they're literally, first day walking into the country, no established credit, even if they had the work visa and a great income, no credit score, no alternate sources of credit, right. that's going to be a tough situation for them. Um, but it doesn't mean, again, nothing's not, doesn't mean it's not doable. We just have to look at right. it. Doesn't, it's just another way. It just has to be done a different way. Exactly. And I want to, I want to touch on really quick, Sean, because you mentioned it, um, you know, the, 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 the no income, no assets, no job loans. That's what's kind of propelled us into this uh, ability to repay law that, uh, rule. That's one of the biggest things right now that I tell folks. So, so like, explain that for yeah, people. That's, um, you know, it's the, the ability to repay rule is fairly new. Yep. So like what that really is, is about is that we want to make sure that when we're lending out money, bottom line, number one thing, this is one of those end all be all can be a deal killer is that you have the ability to repay, meaning your documented income shows a, high, a strong enough ratio compared to what your mortgage payment is going to be that on paper, it shows clearly that you have the ability to repay this mortgage you're taking out. I mean, I've run into folks with giant down payments, perfect credit scores, no income on the books, unfortunately, with the ability to pay repay rule, so, SOL. So let's give the let's give the ability to repay rule. The AKA of that, right, which was, you know, um, and I'm just going to put it here a no doc, no doc loan. Yep. You know, is really what it was. And just for those people out there and, and you know, and I I'll say this and I know I know, you know, Robert knows this um, over the years. I've done a lot of mortgage training and I probably know more about mortgage than most mortgage people in the end that I know of. Um, and it's frightening because I really don't want to know that much about mortgages. Yes. But in order to get some sometimes in order to get a, a deal worked out or fill a hole or get a hole filled, um, you need to understand the language. And, you know, so are companies doing no doc loans anymore? And if they are, what kind of, what kind of rates are we like, a, not, not rate, but more like a down payment uh, programs are they looking at for that? Yeah. So now there are, to my knowledge, there are still some broker shops, small shops that are out there that are still doing these types of loans, um, a very limited basis. Uh, I know we don't offer anything. The only thing that we have, we have some bank statement loans for self-employed folks. We have some alternate sources of income, but it still has to meet the ability to repay rule. The, so what you would call loan, what you would call a portfolio loan. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So like, but the true, like the no doc, no income verifications. Um, from what I know, you're talking about rates typically one and a half to two times what the going market so, rate is. So let's, you know, let's just touch on that for a second, just so that I tried to explain this really recently to somebody and, and the guy looked at me like I had four heads and I said, you know, when they go to the Jimmy Stewart bank and they get the money, when you watch it's a wonderful life and they're down to their last dollar, you know, the bank doesn't just run out, lend, lend out money. And then, and then after they lend out the last dollar, they close the doors for 30 years and wait to get their money back. Right. 
So they package up the loans. They they say that, you know, you know, Robert's company says to me, hey, we're going to give you the loan and we're going to put it together and we may borrow the money from the government or we may do some other way of doing this, which is, you know, we're going to call commercial mortgage backed securities, which is a foreign concept to most people in the, in the industry, uh, unless you've been around for about 20 years. And you're going to package it up and you're going to sell it to a company. And when people get upset about the compliance of, you know, right now, I've heard from more customers that, oh, my God, they've asked me for that document 16 times. They asked me for this. They've asked me for that multiple times. And I said, you know, you have to understand companies like AIG almost went bankrupt and companies like Lehman Brothers did go bankrupt because they didn't ask for that documentation before. And they and they packaged up those loans unknowingly or knowingly, whatever you want to call it, that probably shouldn't have been in that bucket. Yeah. And then a, a company like AIG insured it and said, oh, no, it's fine. We're going to insure it. And then when it all blew up and went sideways, they weren't able to insure it, and they almost bankrupt the entire country. So we're back now where we're super stringent on on the quality of the of the deal. There's very few, uh, very few secondary markets that companies are selling to other than the United States government. Um, and you mentioned some programs for buyers that can help get some help other than um, other than the the Veterans Administration where they can get a uh, zero down money or a low income, you know, a zero down or a simply pay the points. What other avenues can you get from uh, government subsidized programs other than the urban? What's the other one? It's 100 um, oh, percent. USDA. USDA, which yeah, is USDA, like, the like, property has to qualify. So it has to be zoned and tracked into or what they call consider a rural area. Um, and a rural area. For a no right. down payment. The veteran loan is a no down payment. There are some yeah. down payment assistance programs state by state. Uh, they are income restricted and they are a lengthy process. The thing I've seen recently, at least in this past year, is like a lot of my clients or I shouldn't say a lot, but clients of mine who I've run into that are looking for those options. Just the timing of it is tough because not many sellers are sitting around for 60, 90, 120 days right now in this market. It's just not happening. Well, you're a seller right now. Yeah. You're, no longer, you're a seller. You're no longer a mortgage guy. And if I said to you, you know, listen, um, I have a deal for you and it's a Nehemiah grant, which, by the way, was a product. And they're going to borrow the money from the Indians and yep. they're going to give them the money. And then they're going to borrow basically 109 percent of the money from either government friends or, or government subsidy, and they're going to buy your house. Okay. Well, how much money do they have out of their pocket? Well, nothing. Well, they have ever, they've ever bought a house before. Nope. Well, yeah. do we have any other options? Well, yeah, we have like nine other options and people that have money. Well, okay. Well, why are we looking at that? Well, we wouldn't, but ironically enough, that Nehemiah grant and that product, that property, that loan that I was just talking about um, in 2008 and nine, I probably sold a hundred properties that use what call what they called the Acorn Grant, okay. which was when Obama came in and offers. If you went to a class and you took a class for like three weeks, they gave you thirty thousand dollar grant, and as long as you kept the property for I think it was five years and you made the payments, um, you didn't have to repay the loan. Right. Um, and that you know honestly that was a great program, but it ended up where it was severely abused and there was a lot of. Um, creative financing happening at the time for yeah. lack of a better word, um, yeah. which basically killed that transaction. So, all right. So now um, I have somebody who knocks on my door and they're going to come and they want to look at my house and we call them, you know, our company is 10X Real Estate Marketing and Coaching, where we believe that, you know, 
we want to help you to sell it on your own if you want to do that. But we want to make sure that you're not a vulnerable for sale by owner. And what we mean by that is, let's say for argument's sake, like you said, hey, you know, I have a day job. I, if you can do this and cover whatever it's going to cost me to do it, I'd much rather have you guys do it. But from a security standpoint, um, the guy knocks on the door and he says, hey, I want to see your house. Um, I saw the sign out front. What do you think? The, what do you think a seller should ask that person before they invite them in? Well, I mean, the, the, the first and simplest question is, well, two things. One, I would say, one, do you have an agent that you're working with, right? I, want, I would want to know if you are working right. with somebody. And two, have you met with a mortgage professional? I mean, I think that's probably one of the most important because it, it should be a question where the answer is a, a quick yes. Uh, and I advise all my clients, like, you, you don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, right? If the numbers don't work right. and you don't know what you're able to shop for, I mean, shoot, I might walk into a million dollar house. This looks great. I love it. Oh, I can't afford it or I can't look at it, but I, it's beautiful, you know? And and obviously that scales down accordingly. But no, I think the first question is, do you have a mortgage pre-approval, pre-qualification? Have you, I mean, at the very least, have you spoken with someone in the mortgage industry? You right. know? How long have you been looking? How long have you been looking? Have you sure. looked at other properties? Are you shopping? Why are you shopping? Where are you, where are you coming from? Well, you know, I'm living in my car right now. Well, were you aware that my house is like 900000 well, I know, but I have an expensive car. It's a, it's a Subaru. It's like 10 years old. All-wheel like drive. I, I mean, never right, it's all-wheel drive. It's all-wheel drive. <laughs> wrong. And I can, I can fit in the back. I, I can actually, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like a king-size bed back there. Um, Bigger than you, you know. think, yeah. So um, so now, you know, we get we get in, they, they like the property. And what was one of the first things that I said to you when... Um, when I presented it, what what came with the contract and what is something that you provide your customers so that if they're coming to me with a, if they're coming to me guns of Blair and they want to buy my house, how do I know they're serious? Yeah. So it should be a company with a pre-approval letter. Okay. Um, and, and, and here's what I'll say well, too. Well, like, let, me, let me clarify some because yeah. even Krill said to me, what is the definition of a pre-approval versus a pre-qualification? You took the words right out of my mouth. All right. So, yeah. So the way I mean, like you, you may get different interpretations of this. And for me, this is how I've always sure. it. Uh, a pre-qualification means we've had a conversation. I think it's like a napkin approval, right? So like you came to me, you said, Rob, I make, you know, X amount of dollars per year. I have X amount of dollars to put for down payment. I'm looking at a house around this price range. Okay, cool. It sounds like that should work. You're pre-qualified. You know, it's, it's a much more quick transaction. A pre-approval means first and foremost, the big thing with a pre-approval for me is that I run your credit. Okay, I've taken a look at your credit report. I know what your credit score is. I know what your liabilities are each and every month in accompaniment with what's going to come with this new mortgage, right? I've gone through the point too, where I've actually reviewed a pay stub. I've seen a W-2 or I've seen a tax return and I've run it through what's called an auto, there's automated systems for approval. So typically we're going to do things through one of two. It's if it's a conventional loan, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So what's good about working with those companies is they're going to be ones who buying the loans, like Sean was saying, in the secondary market. So let, let's clarify something, yeah. though. Let's like let's assume that everybody has a fourth a fourth grade education, especially in real estate. Mm -hmm. Freddie Mac, Freddie, uh, Fannie, Fannie Freddie, Mae. Fannie Mae, um, uh, Freddie, Freddie Mac, Mac. Yep. Um, FHA, and actually the VA is slightly different, but those companies are government backed. And insured loans by the, they're insured by the government, right? Correct. The United States, you know, the the Veterans Administration does not insure their loan, but they guarantee their Guaranteed. loan. Correct. Correct. Right. Um, and then any other kind of quasi loan, like I'm trying to think of a, a name of something. I mean, the USDA, know, I mean, they still do their automated their automated systems a little bit different than the FHA, but it's right. very similar. Um, but I'm saying, but all those programs are government backed or government approved, right. so that. There's a set of standards on each one of those that if you put the if you put a loan in that and the reason why I'm bringing that up is 
probably 10 years ago, there was 40 different companies out there that had each had their own loan program and each had a, a quasi loan program. But ultimately, right now, probably 85, 90 percent of the loans go end up in one of those buckets at the end of the day. Yeah. Now you have right. So you have a servicer, right? So then maybe people are saying, well, wait a minute, my, my, my mortgage is with Chase or my mortgage with Finance of America or whoever it may be. But ultimately, the, the debt, the money is 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 purchased off in the secondary market by, by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, typically. So when we so it has to meet that it has to meet their guidelines. Exactly. Anyway. So when we're right, when we're doing that initial like underwrite before it even gets to an underwriter's hands, it has to go through one of those providers right one of their services basically runs it through and checks all the pertinent information the credit score the income you enter the the the, the savings amount how much of a down payment all the criteria for the bar run through an automated system and it comes back pretty quickly and says either approved eligible or ineligible it's it's really or right. rescore right or, exactly. rescore. or yeah caution run away right i mean that, that there is one that actually says caution grab it and um, run well again so that now that's like step one so if i've gotten to that point with a client i have a pretty good feel i mean me i've been doing this a long time so i kind of know what's going to need to go in there and how it's supposed to look when you actually get to an actual underwriter. But if I can't get you through a, 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 an automated system, forget me getting you to an you're underwriter. Like you're, 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 you're wasting everyone's time, right? So like the automated system with a pre-approval is, is a really strong thing because again, it does have to go to an actual underwriter who's going to review it and, and sign off on all your paperwork. But the automated systems are a real catch-all, you know, in terms of finding out initially up front if this is a prospective buyer or not. So what, um, what happens in the case where you know, um, that person goes and they're, um, I, I know what the question was I was trying to remember is, you know, years ago, I could have got a guy alone at a 520 credit score. Sure. Right. Um, in the BC market would have been, which would have been a C paper and, you know, um, financial instruments are rated by, you know, C paper, D paper, B paper, A paper, A double A, triple A, like just like bonds on like when you're going to buy a, a coupon or you're going to buy a bond and, um, or some kind of an investment. Um, what is, what is a decent credit score nowadays and what, what isn't? So, I mean, so the Fannie guidelines, they'll go down to a 620. Okay. That's like their, their, their fall off below 620, really nothing they can do. Um, so I would say, you know, you're put it this way at a 740 credit score or better, you're getting, whether you have 741 or you have 850, you're going to get creme de la creme pricing. That's kind of like their okay. threshold for like, hey, best offer, right? Above so that's that's AAA paper. Correct. So then it kind of tiers based on like, usually it's about 20 points. So like 720 to 740 is going to be a slightly a bit lower. 6, 700 okay. to 720. 60. So, so I mean, I tell my buyers like first time buyer, I mean, you typically, you want to be obviously as close to 740 as possible. Um, I would say above 700, you can still look to get conventional A paper loan. Below 700, depending on your down payment, you may be looking at something in the FHA department, um, the government. So department. now, so let me ask this question: Is um, you come in, you come, you know, they come in your office, you talk to them, and they're, you know, they're just shy of uh, 740. Mm -hmm. Is there ways to re? Is there ways to reestablish their credit or re rebalance their debt in order to increase their credit score? Great question. So, and this is one of the reasons why I always stress to people to come sit down with a mortgage professional before you start house hunting, because yes, you're absolutely right. There's what we have is called the credit rescore. So Finance of America, one of the things we do with our credit plus service um, is that we offer clients an opportunity to kind of run what's called like a what if simulator. Say, okay, we look at your credit report. If we paid off this or we move this around to here, we have a potential to increase your score X amount of points and that will improve your interest rate by X amount because now you're above that 740, right? So again, reason why I say it's good to get with someone like myself up front and early is because if we catch that now, hey, cool, you're just starting a house hunt. We can start putting the groundwork in place and 
so that we know when it comes time to you actually get under contract, your score is going to be where we want it to be. So you get the absolute best. I just did it for right. a time last month. Exactly. I, I honestly, we had one that was 709 and she had some credit card debt, but she had some money in the bank. And we worked out a way where we did a lower down payment. You know, this is kind of fear. People, I put as big of a down payment as possible. We did a lower down payment and used some of her liquid cash to pay down sure. her debt. Pay down her debt. Or up better interest rate, even with a lower down payment than she was going right. to get with the bigger down payment. So yeah. Well, then she has, she has a lower back end ratio, which Correct. for anybody who doesn't know that, can you please explain what the back end yeah. ratio, when a, when a mortgage lender says, you know, your back end ratio needs to be in the 30, 40% of your overall debt. What does that mean? Sure. So typically like the, the magic number is 45%. Uh, anything okay. below 45% of back-end ratio is going to be pretty strong through any of the automated underwriting systems. So what that means, your front-end ratio is your housing payment. So I'll use kind of simple numbers. Let's just say, you know, for someone who makes, maybe I'm using big numbers, but $10,000 a month, right? Let's just use that as a, as a round number. What we look at is 45%, okay? So that's $4,500. That $4,500 has to cover their housing payment and any debt liabilities. So now that is going to include car payments, credit card payments, personal loans, student loans, um, basically, anything that's reporting to credit that requires a mandatory monthly payment. Um, so the, the way the ratio way, has to be under 45. What what I say buyers before I even send them to you, I go to what if I took out your if I took out your monthly bank statement. How many of them could I how many of them can I highlight in yellow that are a re reoccurring monthly payment? Right. Yeah. And they'll say, well, my my car payment, my student loan, my insurance. I go, OK, all that gets backed out of the 55 percent. Well, insurance doesn't. Insurance is the one that doesn't. So right, insurance, the insurance, right. yeah, insurance won't get included, but it's really like, like you said, car payment, uh, credit card, yeah. personal loan, the student loans one, you know, a lot of people are, I don't know. Any revolving debt. Yeah, yeah. I any mean, revolving debt. The student loan one is interesting because a lot of them are in deferment right now. So there's a calculation to kind of figure that piece out. And we worked that through as part of the pre-approval as well. Um, right. But yeah, so I mean, that's, that's going to be something where when you go into that, sit down with that professional and you can go through and analyze that report. I can very simply go to each of my clients and say, hey, grab a scratch paper, right? This is how much you make every month. Let's time that right. by 45%. That's this. Let's take out all the things you have to pay. That's how much payment. You know, it's almost like reverse engineering is how, how much of a house you call I, it for. Dude, I, I'll say to somebody, they'll say, you know, I'm, you know, I'll get the phone call and they'll say, you know, I just got married. We live in, we live in the city. We want to move out to the country. My husband and I have it. My husband has a good job. I stay home with the kids. And I'll say to them, I'll say, okay, great. What does your husband do? Well, he just got a new job. Okay. Is he in the same industry? And they're like, well, why does that matter? He's got a great job. He just, he makes like a hundred grand. And I'm like, yeah, but if he only makes a hundred grand for the past six months and he's not in the same industry, you know, Robert's going to not going to give him a loan because he's got to be in the same industry for two years in most cases. Yeah. But like if, if I was going to say, Hey, I, I'm a, I'm a sales guy and I became the sales manager or I'm in the car business and all of a sudden they made me the finance guy as opposed to the sales guy. That I can do, or that you'll, you know, that you would more than likely approve. Yeah. Um, so those people, and then a lot of times I'll say, okay, well, do you have any other debt? No, all our debts are paid. And I'll say, okay, well, you know, and they'll say, well, my, you know, my, my, my husband's kids. So that's always a wild card is when somebody says, I'll, I'll give you a great example of this. I had a woman who sold her house. She got divorced, sold the house, had $300,000 problem was she hadn't worked for 20 years so she had no she had no income yeah and because her her settlement said that her kids were out of college the house when they when they sold the house they took they took x amount of dollars and they paid all the student loans off as, as a as a couple 
And then they said, here's what's left. Here's your half. Here's my half and yeah. no alimony. Yeah. And the problem is now she had a lot of cash and she goes, you know, listen, I could put 50% down in cash. And I said, yeah, but you don't have an income. You don't have to, the pay, the, to, repay. to pay the other, the other 1500 bucks a month. Yeah. She goes, well, no, but I have social security or I have this or that. And I says, yeah, but they're not going to accept all of that as, and, and by the way, or I'm getting alimony. So how long did I have to be collecting alimony so that, uh, for it to count? So at least six months. Um, and it's gotta be consistent. So if you get like one month, you get two months payments, one month, you get no payment. The next month you get half a payment. Then you get three payments. That's gonna be a problem. It's gonna have to be at least six consecutive consecutive months of basically consistent payments on that. Uh, right. Money or child support. Anything that we didn't cover that you think is important for people to know, especially in this market? Um, like, I, mean, I just want to stress it again. Like for any of those people that are out there looking to buy, like whether it's, I'd love you to call me, right? That's first and foremost, but get with a mortgage professional because you have to be ready to compete in this market. You know, going out into this market where, where houses are flying off at over asking price uh, and moving quickly, well, you got to be ready to compete. Let's back up for a second. I, I actually, when I first talked to you, I talked to you in the morning and you, and I said, Hey, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. And you said, okay, great. I'm going on vacation the following week. But I said, you know, listen, I have time to do it today. I can come out and see your house today. If what I say makes sense and you're confident and comfortable, I can get your house sold. Are you ready to do something? You go, yep. As a matter of fact, I am. They go, and you said to me, you go, listen, I'm in the business. You're not scaring me. I said, okay, good. And I came out to see you. And for all intents and purposes, I, I gave you a sales presentation. Mm-hmm. And you said, okay, this makes sense. That's everything you told me on the phone. And even more, I was pleasantly surprised when I saw your house. It's impeccable. Um, shows, you know, pride of craftsmanship and everything else. And and I, I kind of did the smile and wave. And then I texted you, called you, called my staff, and called in my team of experts. And I think maybe maybe even you were surprised that they did everything while we were uh, while I was actually on my way to Lake George and my family. Um but I got to imagine from your seat, there was still some questions in your head or some concern. What are, what were the questions that, um, what gave you, what gave you the confidence to know that worst case, it's going to be okay. Well, I, I guess I'm fortunate in a position where I, I didn't have to sell. Right. I guess that was kind of a part of it as well. Just come out for, I could stay if I had to stay, yep. cool, I was going to stay. That's no problem. Um, I'll tell you the the thing that really um, I don't say put me over the edge, but kind of really nudged me in the right direction to feel as, as far as the like, confidence goes um, was just that you had multiple approaches. You know, I, I talked to somebody who hit me with a cold call. Okay, so obviously in the sales industry, I respect the heck out of that. So that's step one. And then the thing you told me about was about how we're going to use internet marketing, how we're going to use pixels, how we're going to use you know the social media platforms to generate more you know more interest. And I'm like. All right, so this guy's cold calling me. He's using the internet. You know, he's got the old school technique, the new school technique. Truthfully, and you know that that was something that you know I try to incorporate. I like to think of myself a little bit of an old soul. I'm, a, I'm still a paper and you know scratch paper and paper file for my customers. Sure. Just old habits, right. right? But I know that the same reason why I have a Facebook. You know, I know that there this is the the new wave, right? To get out there and put up, you can reach Absolutely. thousands and thousands of people on this internet. Uh, where you know you have thousands of phone calls are going to take you days at a time. So just the fact that you were able to kind of look at all approaches and say, "Hey, we're going to find the best avenue to get you the most, you know, bang for your buck, the success, the, the end result we're all looking for. We're not going to just make phone calls and hope it works out. We're not going to just post online and hope it works <laughs> right. out. We're going to hit it from every different angle, you know. And I think that to me was, you know, again being in the industry right. and, and talking to a slew of different people, 
Um, you know, that was something that definitely, I'd say, you know, sold me. Cool. You know, and it made me feel a lot more comfortable about right. what was going to happen. Now, so, concerns, I'll just say really quick, this, the concerns were, is it going to happen, right? Okay, like, it all sounds great until it actually happens. And, you know, I'm sitting here, what, two, three, well, two, I guess two and a half weeks and it happens. Yep. So, yeah, no, yeah. Right. And I mean, you you had the you had the the luxury that it happened around the corner from you too, so you watched that yeah. whole episode. But I, you know, I, I, the reason why I asked though is because there's so many people that we go see, and exactly what we what you just said, we'll tell you guns will blaring that hey, we do this, we do this, we do this. And if you've ever been in front of me in a presentation, especially if I get excited, all of a sudden I'm doing this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with your hands. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, and you know, and you know what. I mean, I can't help it. I, you know, as much as I joke about it, that selling other house can be boring. I love what I do. Um, yeah. I, and I, you know, I get passionate about it. Um, but I think that um, you just, you just gave a bunch of people um, the things to look for because, you know, I kind of look at it as even if you're in the industry, there's going to be a trigger that's going to go in your head and go, okay, that gives me the comfort to be able to make the decision or, you know, that situation or that, particular approach. Um, and I think, I think when, you know, when we talk about it, are they buyers or are they liars? Or are they, I mean, you know, bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people, but if you prepare yourself and you give it your best shot to, first of all, you know, even if you, even if you work with my company on um, one of our, one of our programs where we're helping you to sell it yourself, we're still going to coach you through it because we take it seriously. We take your, your personal safety and we also take your family safety and your equity because we feel like you and you, you know, you earned it and you're, you're entitled to as much of it as you can get. And then from, from that step, you know, you should lean on those professionals. And then the next thing that we do and what we recommend is even though they're not, even though they're not the salesperson, see if you go align yourself to, there's a lot of mortgage guys out there that will call for sale my owner or call somebody and say, Hey, I just want to let you know, I notice you're selling your house. I want to be able to help you if you need it. You should lean on those people or try to align yourself with somebody like Robert, you know, call them up and say, Hey, my sister, brother, cousin is selling their house and I want to make sure they're safe. And I want to make sure that the people that are coming in are qualified. Can you help them? Yeah. Um, it's like it's, it's, you said, it's, I mean, for me, I can say, you know, clients are calling me. I do pre-approvals all day. You know, it's, it's, right. it's the free part of my job, if you will. I'm a resource. I tell my clients, I tell my family, I'm a resource. Use my, I enjoy talking about what I do. I do it all day long. So like, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, and I, you know, I, I have been in a situation where someone comes to me and says, hey, I have a contract on a house and I'm ready to buy it. And we sit down and start to do the pre-approval. You know, the second step, the cart's now in front of the horse. Yep. And I can't buy the house. And they're like, oh, I, I love this house. Well, great. Yeah, that's great. But I mean, unfortunately, it's it's just not it's not in the cards for you, you know. And it's, so it's 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 really important to 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 vet that process. But also too, when you're talking about you know meeting different individuals or different professionals, that whether it be the mortgage person, the real estate agent, you know, kind of how you know I was explaining when I met with you. There's a level of comfort that you get when you sit and talk to someone that you can't put a a, a specific note on or a finger on or a thumb on. You just have to kind of trust your trust your gut in a sense, right? There is an aspect of that right. where if I'm talking to somebody, yeah, listen, they're gonna have to prove what they're talking about ultimately. After right. sure. but there's a difference when someone's telling you. You can tell when someone's talking to you truthfully. When someone's trying to sell you something. When someone right, somebody's blowing smoke up your ass. Information. Yeah, exactly. You know where someone's yeah. coming from, and I mean, you're sometimes you kid yourself that you think it's more than what it is because you want to hear what you want to hear. But at the right. end of the day, you know that's something I'm grateful for. That 
you know, where I was at when I met you, it wasn't a situation where I was like pressed to sell or I got to get out of this right, house right. or something like that. So I was able to kind of be more receptive to everything you were saying and, and make a fair, I say judgment, but you know, a judgment like, Hey, do I want to work with this guy? And then, and then I'm, I'm thrilled that I did because here we are today. And now aside from selling my house, I'm, you know, we're starting to put some things together and work together as well. I think you, you know, you hit the nail on the head though, before, um, you know, probably, I would say over the years, probably 15% or 20% of what I do is I'm the cleanup guy. Um, when it doesn't work or when they tried to sell it and they couldn't sell it and the, they're pissed off at the world and whatever, they call me in and I go and I go in and fix it. Um, or in a lot of cases, like we do probably a 40% of what I do is probate and estate work where in many cases, there's one family member that loves us and one family member that hates us. And then there's somebody in between. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, even the, you know, the judge is saying, okay, you got to do this and this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, you know, in those situations. And, and the reason why I bring those out is you said it a minute ago, you said, Hey, get started in the process early on. And, you know, people, you know, I've mentored and coached with, I, I tried to count one day and I tried to count like the books I've read and everything else. I think the last count was 46 people that I've actually paid more than $5,000 to, to coach me or mentor me over the past 25 years. And the one thing that always resonated was, you know, successful people and whether you're successful in life or, you know, you're a, you're successful success isn't measured in money. Um, money, you know, money isn't everything. It's, it's right up there with oxygen though. Try living without it for a couple of minutes, you know, but you know, but the, the real the real measure of success is, you know, finding somebody's purpose and, you know, fulfilling that purpose. And one of the things is, is when somebody gets off track, being able to get back on track. So, you know, it's really successful when you're when you're starting out and you're just getting started and somebody takes you off track. You go you go all of a sudden you go through the woods and you're you're all of a sudden four wheeling in your Subaru, you know, or in your in your Supra, your little you know, Toyota Supra. And then, and then when, when you get a little, when you get a little ground under you and you've been around for like six or seven years, like you or me, um, you know, I'm a grizzled veteran is what they would call that. Um, you hit a speed bump and you, you know, you could be doing hundred miles an hour and you hit the speed bump and you go, Ooh, the hell was that? You know, yeah. but you keep going. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you having, having the mortgage person, having the professionals around you early on, if you hit the speed bump, Robert can go, Hey, you know what? I know you did this in college. Your credit got a little banged up. I don't know if you even knew about this, but this is affecting your credit. It's going to take about three months for us to fix it. But once we get it fixed, your credit score is going to go up dramatically and I'm going to be able to save you X amount of dollars a month in a payment. So why don't you work on that? And then while you're doing that, we're going to send you over to Sean and he's going to help you to find a place. And I'll let him know that it may take a little bit to get you, you know, get your credit back in the right spot. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, starting early like anything else um yeah, it's fail to plan plan to fail right it's the old adage right so like if, if you if you don't go into it, you don't go into it with a plan i mean you're only setting yourself up for a letdown i mean uh, I, yeah i can't i don't know if i remember what i said to you when i met you but i said you know if i could show you a plan that's duplicatable repeatable and trackable that we can that, that would you do business with us and you went yeah of course i would and i and and it's hard to say no to that because it's kind of like saying no i don't i don't want to have a i don't want to have something that you've done already I don't want to think, I don't want to work with somebody who has experience. Of course not. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Well, no, I mean, that, that, that key word there is experience, right? Because I, mean, I can tell you, I, I joke about this. Some first-time buyers, I don't make the joke because I got to tread softly. But some of them, I tell them, prepare <laughs> yourself. Something's going to go wrong. I don't know when it is or what it is, but something's going to go wrong. The good news for you is, is that I've probably seen almost, not all of it, but almost all of it. So that when those things do come up, we can have a plan to navigate it. We know I, I'm, I'm grateful to say that there's very few things that shake me where I'm like, I don't have a, a way to figure this out. I've right. had one of those recently. Um, but you know, that's just the point of having a professional and starting that process and having that rapport and relationship with someone up front so that you know I, I'm not saying I'm gonna hold your hand, but I'm gonna hold your so, hand. We're gonna walk you so I didn't I, you're on the on the sell side, you're not on the buy side with me. So when I worked in Hoboken, my standard close was and bear in mind, when I worked in Hoboken, it was 60% guys, 40% girls, right? And really the model was like, I met a mentor and my mentor said to me, he watched me do a presentation. I paid a guy who was president Clinton's presentation guy named Ron Orton. And back then he had me do it on a VHS tape. That's how long ago it was. Mm -hmm. Right. And mail it to him. And I get it. And I, and I get the tape, the tape gets stuck at the, like the UPS place. Right. And I get there and this guy's from South Africa. He's getting ready to fly to South Africa for six months. I just got done paying like three grand for the flight to his house in um, in uh, Coronado, Florida, mm -hmm. or California. I'm sorry, California. Right. So we get there and they go, well, did you get the tape? He goes, no, I never got it. So I call up, I call up UPS and they go, well, it's at the depot. And I go, he goes, OK, well, come on, we'll get in the car. And we'll go get it. I get in his car. I don't realize his car has the steering wheel on the other side because he's from South Africa. Right. Uh -huh. So I'm sitting in the passenger seat, which is now the driver's seat, and he's doing about 85 miles an hour down the freeway in California, and the cars are going like this past me. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so the guy, the guy, we get to the depot, and the guy says, oh, you know, you know, um, I can't give this to you right now because I'm the only guy here. I go, well, here, I, I go, did you read today's paper? So I stick $100 in the newspaper, fold it in half, and I go, did you read today's paper? And the guy goes, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to go to the bathroom and read this because <laughs> there was a $100 bill. So I, so I said to him, I go, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom, what do you do? He goes, well, I just locked the door for him. And I go, well, don't you have to go to the bathroom? And he looked at the newspaper, looked at the 100 bucks, and goes, you know, you know, guys got to step out. I got to go to the bathroom. We get back. He gives us the tape, and we go back to his house. I go to put it in the machine, and the guy is like, at that time, he was in his 70s, but I paid him $8,000 for four hours, Okay to analyze my presentation. And all I remember him saying was, he go, I go, how do you get your VHS to work? He goes, don't worry about it. I don't need to look at that. I go, we just spent an hour and a half going to get this freaking tape. You don't need to look at it. He goes, I saw your entire presentation. I watched the whole thing. He goes, I, I know that you're personality type. Yeah. And he goes, how many people in Hoboken or in your market are married? And I go, I don't know, like 65% of them. He goes, what's your closing ratio? I go, I don't know, like 64 and a half percent. He goes, he goes, well, you mean like when they add in the curtains, you're shit out of luck? I go, yep, that's me. You know, so, but the conversation for that mentality was, you know, Robert, listen, you guys remember when you got married, right? You're buying your first place. You're going to wake up in the morning with a stomachache and it's going to hurt. And you're going to swear you're either hungover or you, you're like, you're, you're, you want to commit suicide because you're just so sick. And I said, you know, because you haven't walked down the aisle to get married, you don't understand that feeling, but you do know what it's like to be hungover. I said, tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're going to be hungover. It's called buyer remorse. And you're going to think about it and you're going to say to yourself, holy cow, I'm writing a check for every nickel I've ever saved in my life. And oh my God, you know, the guy said that I can get it back, but I might not be able to get it back if all the same goes sideways. Holy shit. I said, if that doesn't scare you, you got another problem. 
And I don't want you to buy a house because you need that money to go see a therapist. Because anybody in their right mind who's going to write a check for that much money needs to wake up a little funky. Because if you walk yeah. down the aisle to get married and you're not even a little bit nervous, you know what? You're either in the perfect marriage or you're out, you're shit out of luck and you're just a maniac. <laughs> because it, it just doesn't, you know, that kind of situation doesn't happen. And I mean, the, the reason the reason why I bring it up to go back to like the presentation and all that a lot of the people that I dealt with were single guys or women. And when, when the 30 or 40% that were married, because I wasn't married yet, and because I hadn't gone through that experience, I just didn't know what even like yeah. the woman would be like, Oh, but I put these curtains and I'd be like, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Very delicate approach. <laughs> right. Right. I have a kid, but well, can't you just park out front and bring the kid in the house? Like, and then until I had a kid and we lived in Jersey city and all of a sudden, I was like, holy crap. Now I get it. Like, do you leave the kid in the car seat and bring your groceries in and worry about somebody stealing your car with your kid in the back seat? Or do you take your kid in the carrier and carry one bag at a time? You know, so you don't think about that stuff until it I until you get to that point in your life. But so you've lived it, yeah. You know, it's been a pleasure. I know we've gone a little while. We've talked for a while now, oh, but yeah, because, yeah. um, you know, we, we started a little off on the on the time. I just want to make sure that we were able to bring value. Um Again, you know, um, the numbers are there. Um, you know, Robert's number direct is 973-800-9875. I always really appreciate you coming on, bringing value. Um, we're going to be interviewing him again. We'll actually, This time we'll actually do it at the right time and the right day and the right bat channel. Um, you know how to get a hold of me. you find my information here. Um, we'll, we will be pushing this out to people. And if you're thinking about buying, selling, or investing in a home, first of all, go see Sean. Make sure you get pre-approved. Make sure you get your shit together before you come see me because I'm going to send you back to him anyway. Um, <laughs> other than that, Sean, anything you want to leave us with? Any uh, any words of wisdom from today's uh, – what is the most – what is the biggest thing you did after you got your – you got noticed that you got your contract today? I called my fiance like a good like a good soon-to-be husband would be doing, right? Well, I was going to ask you that. And what would she say? <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, really, really? I, I sold it pretty well. I was like, yeah, I got some news. Are you sitting down? I got something to tell you. And right. What, what, what? You know, right. so, you know, it went over really well. So they were really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. You know what? I, and I can't wait to get you to the next one. Yeah. Um, we'll talk to you soon, and we're going to let you run, and we'll talk to you. Have a great day, sir. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Take See care. you now. Bye.